Today we're going to start a little two-part series that I'm calling Enjoy. Everybody say Enjoy. No, say it out loud. Say Enjoy. And so um, th- this first one's going to be about enjoying Jesus. And, uh, and then next week we're going to talk about enjoying each other, enjoying people. And so next week ought to be really fun. Now, I, I, um, I want to help our church a little bit. Um, I grew up in a church where folks preached back at you. And so it's been a little awkward for me uh, as we've been establishing this church to have all of you sit there and stare at me. And so I'm going to just jumpstart it. I'm going to make it happen today by giving you a little bit of task. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to line out each section. And when I point to you, you're going to have the opportunity to say something back to me. So we'll start with this section over here. When I point to you anytime during the message, you're going to shout out all the time. You ready? One, two, three. Very good. One more time. That's awesome. And then this section over here, when I point to you, you're going to shout back to me, to me. You ready? One, two, three. To me. There you go. Come on. You can do better than that. Mm. Now, middle section, you get the best part. And that is God is good. <laughs> All right. So let's try it together. Here we go. Middle section. That's weak. A little better. Oh, they got you whooped over here. Y'all better tighten up. Okay, here we go. One more time. There you go. So at any point while I'm preaching... I'm going to point to you, and you better be paying attention and say your part, all right? Here we go, because I'm, I'm going to get my own preach back happening up in her. I created it. Thank you, Jesus. All right, so with that being said, we're going to jump into scriptures today. Anybody know the shortest scripture in the Bible? <clears throat> actually, that's in English, but it's not actually the shortest scripture in the Bible. Jesus wept isn't. It actually, in the Greek, which is the original writings of, of the New Testament, it's actually... 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 16, and it says, be joyful always. That's actually the shortest scripture in the New Testament in the original Greek. It's to be joyful always. Say it with me. Joyful always. Can we try it again? Be joyful always. Some of the time, in good times, when God has blessed you beyond comprehension, how about in the times when everything is coming against you? Always. Let me hear it over here. All the time, he's good to me. I will rejoice. I will have joy in him always. Always will I be joyful in him. You know, um, some of you wonder why you don't have friends. It's because you have no joy. When I'm around you, you suck the life out of me. I'm looking for the exit as soon as I can. You don't even realize it's happening. And over years, you don't realize it. You kind of become kind of grumpy. You never smile. Do you know the, lo- the, the world record for smiling is held by a little gal named Lisa Lester. And she, she ha- holds, the, holds the record at 10 hours and 5 minutes. Come on, do yourself good. Just smile a little bit. Let me see it. There you go. Look at that. You got beautiful teeth. Stop being embarrassed about start smiling. Now, you and I know what it's like to be around people who are full of joy. We like being around them. We enjoy them because they're enjoyable. The question is, are you one of them? 
Are you the person that people enjoy being around? Or when they get around you, do your kids see you coming home and like, oh, let's go, get out of here. Here he comes. See, let me explain something to you. The joy of the Lord is our strength. We'll cover that scripture here in a second in Nehemiah chapter 8. But I want you to understand, joyful people have friends. People who understand the difference between joy and happiness sustain a life-giving substance to the rest of us. Look at this. A couple thoughts on the difference between joy and happiness. Happiness is a state of pleasure, emotion that results from good fortune. Oh, I've been happy before. I've been happy, man. Things have gone good for me before. But then I've had things not go good for me. Are you with me? Say amen. The difference between that and joy is joy is the depths of satisfaction. Oh, though the world spin out of control, my Jesus is still Lord, and I'm satisfied in him. It is a choice of one's will. Joy is a choice. It, you don't just, happiness can come on you, and it can leave you, because it's about circumstances and situations. Joy is the decision that I've made, and the power of God at work inside of me sustains me when everyone else is mad and bitter and frustrated. I'm smiling, because God is good. And when you and I grasp and remind ourselves we should be walking in joy. Again, the shortest scripture in the Greek is this. Be joyful always. Not sometimes, always. Be joyful when you're struggling to get your kids to listen. Be joyful when the guys at work are just a bunch of knotheads. Be joyful when you're driving on 35 in the morning traffic. Team Jesus, help us. Be joyful always. Not sometimes, always. My goal with today's message is that when you leave here that you will recapture your joy because some of you have had your joy stolen from you. And some of you are now a proper, are propagating frustration and aggravation in all of our lives because you have no joy. So, so you don't even realize you're stealing our joy and you, fi- you find yourself becoming more and more distant from people that are full of life. And the reason that is is because you are a life sucker because you don't have any joy anymore because the enemy and life and circumstances have stolen it from you. And today we're going to leave here getting our joy back in Jesus' name. Isn't that good? Man, I feel like Joel Osteen. I tell you right now, each and every one of you can live your best life. Now, you don't have to live like this. You don't have to be frustrated and die with the devil. But you, Sorry about that. I just had a moments. Woo! I tell you what though, I watched him five minutes, I start smiling. You may not agree with his doctrine, but you know he's happy. All right, let me give you a couple of scriptures with this, and that is Nehemiah chapter 8. We're going to go through a couple of joy scriptures. Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 10, it says, do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now let me explain that one for just a moment. The children of Israel had come to a place where they were away, for, away from the Lord. They had spent so many generations not knowing God's law or God's desire. And the leadership of the time found the law of Moses. Found the workings of God. And they, began to, they gathered all the people and we said, they said, we found the law of God. Let's read it and find out what he says about us. And as they began reading it, they realized they'd been living in sin. And it says they were cut to the heart. And they begin to mourn and weep and cry because they've sinned against their God. They didn't even know because they'd been so far removed from what was right and what was wrong and what God desired of them. They'd been so far removed of a relationship with the living God that they didn't even know. It says they begin to weep. And in verse 8, they pick up and the leadership, God speaks to them and says, listen, don't grieve anymore. Because the joy of the Lord is now your strength. I want you to know something. I've been a sinner. And I've also been forgiven, and the joy of the Lord is my strength. 
Listen, whatever you did in the past, it's in the past. Let's let the joy of the Lord be our strength. Condemnation is that feeling that you're never good enough, that you're bad. Conviction, the difference between conviction and condemnation is conviction is specific. The Holy Spirit says, on this day, you did this. Now go make it right. Repent to that person and let the Lord have mercy on you. Condemnation is I'm never good enough. I don't pray enough. I don't go to church enough. I don't tithe enough. I'm just a terrible person. And the Bible says there's now no longer any condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. So it's easy for me to walk in the things of God because I just wait when he convicts me I go oh okay I'm sorry hey I repent about that I want to make that right and so I can walk in joy because the joy of the Lord is my strength and because I've repented of my sins let's keep going here's another scripture Psalms 19 and 8 the precepts of the Lord are right are they right say yes the precepts of the Lord are right giving joy to the heart the commands of the Lord are radiant giving light to the eyes. Look at Psalm 1611. You have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Look at Psalms 27. This is all about our worship time. It says, Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his tabernacle, I will sacrifice. Everybody say sacrifice. No, say sacrifice. I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. In other words, I don't want to do this. I don't feel it. I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Do you understand what this is saying? David's saying, listen, I have all these people trying to take us out. The armies of all the, of the Philistines, they keep surrounding us. And, and I carry that, man. I don't know if they're going to attack today or tomorrow. I don't know if they're going to take the car away today. I don't know if they're going to call the note on this building that I got. I don't know if I'm going to lose my job. But when I come into the tabernacle... When I come into the sanctuary of believers, he says, I will come in with shouts of joy. Hallelujah! God, you're so good. You've been so good to me. Glory! He says, I will come in with, I will make a sacrifice. Now, I grew up in a church where we said, oh, now, wait a minute. Hold up. That's just a little bit of emotionalism. That's how I grew up. Until I needed God to give me a breakthrough. Until something supernatural happened in my life. And then all of a sudden I realized, wait a minute, why do I hold my, hold my tongue? David says in, in Psalms 91, he says, I will not press my lips together when I come into the sanctuary of believers. He said, I'll not hold back, I'll sing out. Listen, let me tell you something. The same person who's criticizing that we're shouting and giving God our love and attention is the same person. Get them at a football game. Let's hear them shout and sing, see what they're shouting about. It's the same. Listen, get you in the car going down I-20 and see what you're shouting about. We all have a shout inside of us. And what David says, I will make a sacrifice. I, will, I don't feel it. I don't even like it. I'm a little embarrassed about it, but he is God. He's good, and I'm going to give him shouts of joy. You're good, God. I love you, God. I stir the joy of God inside of me. I'm not, it's the joy of the Lord. It's my strength, and I'm not going to lose it. So when I come into the sanctuary, I don't care what the enemy's doing all out there. I know they're all surrounding me. I know life is bad, but let me tell you, when I come into the sanctuary, I'm going to praise and give him shouts of joy. That's the difference. And so people get so confused. They come in, and I don't know if I like that song. Man, listen, I have, I have, I have worship with shouts of joy with veggie tails in the back with the kids. I don't need your music to be my favorite music. I just need Jesus. I just need a group of people who are singing about his love, and I'll get in there and sing about it too because he's done some amazing things in my life. So those are key. Look at these beautiful scriptures. Let's give you another one. Look at Psalms chapter 30 and verse 11. You turn my wailing into dancing. Come on, some of you need to learn to dance again. You removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy. Guys, it's time to enjoy Jesus again. 
It's time to get back your joy that's been stolen from you. That my heart may sing to you and not be silent. Oh, Lord, my God, I'll give you thanks forever. And my favorite is Proverbs chapter 17 and verse 22. I've loved this verse since the time I was a kid. A merry heart does good like a medicine. You know what that means is, you know what, you can take yourself and all the trouble that you're having and you can start having a merry heart and it'll, it'll start freeing you up. I mean, your, your joints will start working again because you start singing and worshiping God. You start, you start worshiping God and having a merry heart. Next thing you know, man, people just, your attitude's different and people start embracing you and you start having promotion because you had a merry heart. A merry heart is good medicine. Listen, I know what's wrong with the world. The more I talk about it, the more I get frustrated. I know what's bad about every, everybody that, that's around me. I can look at you and find out your weaknesses and your failures. And you can look at me and we can criticize each other. Or we can have a merry heart because it's good medicine. And say, so, you know, I love you, man. You're crazy. You're just crazy. But God is good. Thank you, Jesus. And a merry heart is just good medicine. So I want to teach you today a couple thoughts on how you and I can begin to enjoy Jesus. Some keys about enjoying Jesus. As I kind of move towards that, I, I want to I tell you this. I, I uh, I, I was uh, in a large church. Jamie and I were arguing back and forth. I said it was 10,000. She said it was 8,000. And I said there was 10,000 on the membership. She said, well, whatever. I did the book, so whatever. And so we were in a big, large church. We were youth pastors. And uh, before we were the youth pastors, I was a, uh, one of the main youth leaders. And, and I came on staff at 19. So in a large church of that many thousands of people, you know, there was a lot of gals who thought I was the man. And... Um, <laughs> I wasn't married yet, and there were a lot of lady leaders, young lady leaders, and they were awesome. Many of them were beautiful and loved Jesus, and man, we were interacting because they were leaders for us in the youth and young adult ministry, and, and boy, they were hot for Pastor Adam. <laughs> it was Baker, Louisiana, a population of about 2,000, so I mean, give it what it is. And man, I tell you what, I had my pick of the litter and I could have any of the ones. I, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Y'all know I'm messing now. And, uh, but there was this day, I was, I'll never forget this. I was sitting with my arm around my girlfriend in the bleachers up in the top of the balcony. And all of a sudden, this little 16-year-old gal came running in. She ran right down to the front, away from all the teenagers. In those days, you had tambourines before television was messed up by the sound. And this little blonde-headed gal went up to the front. She didn't care who was there. And she started shaking her tambourine and worshiping Jesus. Jesus, and there was this joy about her, and all of a sudden, I heard the Spirit of the Lord say, that's your wife. I took my hand away from this girl right here, <laughs> and, uh, and I just started watching Jamie, and then we went on through the years, two, three years, I just watched her, and I just, I, I just every time I got around her, there was joy. She had, every, everyone loved to be with her, because she was so full of joy, because God had delivered her, and set her free, and filled her with the Holy Spirit, and it was such a brand new, beautiful experience, she didn't care about being cool with all the young people, she didn't care if we picked her to be a leader or not, she just loved Jesus, and she didn't, she just didn't know what's appropriate, what's not, she just was worshiping God everywhere she went, and she was loving everybody, and I tell you something, I said, that's what I want, because the joy of the Lord is our strength, and I want that in my life, I got enough people telling me the problem all day long. I don't want to help people all day long and then have to help my wife all night long. I don't want to have to prop them up, her up, me up. I mean, forget. I want somebody that's got something. And she's had that joy. And I'm telling you, you know that when you get around Miss Jamie, you just I feel like I can go bear hunting with a switch. I'm going to sign up for something in this. I'm going to sign up for something in this city. What else? I don't know. She gave me 2,500 ideas. I don't know where to start because she just is so full of joy. 
now after being in the ministry with me and all my negativity over the years, we've stolen a lot of that from her, and she might have to get that back today. But the truth of the matter is that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Here's the first thing I want to teach you about, about cultivating or, in, or getting your joy and the keys of enjoying Jesus. Number one, maintain a right relationship with Jesus. You know, it's hard for some of you to feel the excitement and joy of Jesus because you know that you've got that hidden sin in your life. And so you feel so guilty. Friend, why do that? Why do that? I told the first service, if you're new to our church, I say this all the time. The beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ is we get to repent. That's not a bad word. I'm sorry that old school preachers, and you're like, oh, I'm sorry about that. Repent is this beautiful word. It means we get to do over. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine going to an interview for a job and bombing it, and they go, hey, listen, come back, do it again. You're like, really? Okay. Can you imagine when you get that spinning wheel of death on your computer? You're like, oh, dear God. Oh, it's all gone. And then you get to control off delete, and it goes, sorry, that was old school. And then all of a sudden it pops back up, and it's working. That's what repentance is. It's not a bad, it's a beautiful opportunity. Say, Lord, I blew it. I'm so sorry. I got this junk in my life. I hate it. And God, I need your help. Would you help me? I repent before you, all of heaven and earth. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for filling me with your Holy Spirit. And God, would you help me crucify this flesh again today? Friend, that's the beauty of it. And so for you to have joy, it really is a starting place. It's have a right relationship with Jesus. And I know Christians who have a bad relationship with Jesus because they got the elephant in the room. They don't know how to talk to the Lord. Um, Jesus, um, I love you. Uh, and he's like, hey, let's deal with the elephant in the room. Let's deal with the fact that, you, uh, that you've been cheating on your wife. Let's start there, buddy. Because I love you, but we've got to get this out. Let's deal with the fact that, that you still hate your coworkers. I mean, hate them. Let's deal with that. And when you and I allow God bring healing to those areas you can't imagine the joy it's joy unspeakable the scripture says and full of glory romans chapter 5 speaks to this verse 1 through 3 it says therefore since we have been justified through faith what does that mean so pastor what does that mean because by faith i've accepted jesus he's justified me he's made it right for me we have peace with god through our lord jesus christ through whom we have gained access by faith into the grace, this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in hope. In other words, because God has given us mercy and grace, because we've accepted Jesus, that grace is applied to us. And he doesn't see me as a wicked sinner and a, and a wayward man. He sees me as covered in the blood of Jesus, covered and looking like Jesus, sitting with him in heavenly places. He's my head, I'm his body. He is the Lord of my life. God the Father sees that. And because of that, it says we can rejoice. Woo! I got something to be happy about. Listen to me. You may die, because you will one day, and you may not die with all the toys you want, but when you die as a believer, you're going to spend eternity with him. That ought to get you excited. That ought to breathe some joy down deep on the inside. doesn't matter what happens day in and day out. Doesn't Listen, guys, it doesn't matter if, if your car doesn't work today and you don't have the job that you thought you were going to have, and, 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 and that old knothead of a fellow leaves you for somebody else. You got Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him, 
him, endured the cross, and is seated in heavenly realms. And all principalities, authorities, and governing ruling powers are under his feet, and he's ours, and we're his. That ought to do something for you. You ought to look at this life and say, whatever. Whatever. There's always a job. I'll get a job somewhere. There'll be another house. In fact, there's a house being built for me in glory. When you and I are right with the Lord, it's, and so people struggle to have joy because there's, literally, there's hidden sin. Psalms 51 is the most beautiful passage. In Psalms 51, David said it like this, restore to me the joy of my salvation. And let me set the pace for you what he's talking about. David has been God's man. As a little boy at 16 years old, as a teenager, he was anointed to be king over Israel. God said, I'm done with Saul. I'm going to find someone who has my heart, someone who's real and authentic and, and, and sincere. And he found little David, and he anointed him as king. David had to wait for years into his 30s before it actually took place. Saul tried to kill him. He's running for his life. He's trying to be full of integrity and character. He's going from place to place, people hating, people loving. And the day comes, he's set in place as king. Saul is killed, Jonathan with him, and David becomes king. It's all the answer to all the prophecies and all the purpose of his life and purpose has been fulfilled in his mind some of you are so waiting for the moment that the prophecy comes to pass that you can't enjoy today and you're so weren't thinking that the prophecy is the end goal that you don't realize that today is the end goal today walking in joy and the love of christ today and so all of a sudden david is in his place he fe- he beats off all the kings around him he's putting peace to the kingdom and one day when kings go out to war david stays home He takes him a summer vacation. He said, I've had enough. I'm tired. I've been in ministry so long. Let everybody else do it. I don't need to get up and be a radical Christian today. I'm just going to do, I'm going to do what everybody else seems to get to do. I'm going to stay at home. I'm going to watch, I'm going to watch, you know, Oprah. She's out. I'm going to watch whoever else is on there lying and cheating and stealing and doing, you know, maternity tests or whatever they're doing. And I'm going to just sit here. And he gets up about about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. He's been in bed all day long. Sound like your teenagers during the summer. He gets up and, man, he goes out to the window and he looks out and this is the time when the women would go out on the roofs and take take baths and he sees a fine one down the way and he says hey go get her I want her she's married sir I'm the king and he has sex with Bathsheba gets her pregnant tries to trick the husband by coming in and trying to get the husband off the battlefield to come sleep with his wife the man is so honorable that he won't do it and so David has him killed And all of this is circulating under the scenes. Nobody knows. A few guards who dare wouldn't say anything. Bathsheba knows. But the prophet gets a word from the Lord. And he goes to him. He says, sir, you have sinned against heaven. You could have had any woman you wanted, but you picked a married woman. And you've done injustice by killing. And David responds like this. I will kill you, prophet. Is that what he says? He says, oh, dear God, have mercy on me. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. When you and I sin, there's such a guilt to it. I'm not sinless. I'm just smart enough to repent on a daily basis. I'm just smart enough not to let my joy get stolen from me. Because it's my strength. Is that what the scripture says or not? It's my strength. So I'm there not going to give it up. And so whatever I need to do, Lord, who do I need to make it right with? And when you come out of the pride and the egotism, you can start walking in joy unspeakable joy. People want to be around you then. Things start opening up because life is coming out of you. Because the joy of the Lord is inside of you. And you're not moved by whatever wind comes and whatever difficulty happens because you're in right relationship with the living God. Not sinless, right relationship. 
with the living God. Are you still there? Say yes. Okay, number two. Keys to enjoying Jesus. Number two, keep a clear conscience with others. Yeah, I know, right? That's why we say in our church, our vision statement is to relentlessly love Jesus, His church, and the hurting. I don't know about you, but I've been in churches where everybody's mad at each other. Gonna sit over here, I ain't talking to her no more. Oh, you know what she did, you know what she said. We're not having that in this church. I've actually asked a couple of people, hey, maybe you don't need to come here anymore. Well, you know, Pastor, I love you, but I just don't like so-and-so. Yeah, you don't need to be here. Because we're going to relentlessly love each other. You understand, this is scripture. That's not some attitude I came up with because, because I've been hurt. or let me, It's scripture. Let me show it to you. Look in Philippians chapter 4, and verse 1 through 4. Paul, uh, excuse me, Paul is dealing with the Philippian church that he birthed. And uh, he's writing this to them. And he says this, Therefore, my brothers... You whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown. In other words, guys, I love you. I was there. I birthed you guys. You got saved in that living room, and we did all that ministry together and birthed this church. Now I'm off here, and i got to write this letter back to you. You are the crown. You, you are the reason I exist, and that is how you should stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. Verse 2, I plead with you, Uda, Udia, 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 and I plead with you to agree with each other. And the, it doesn't matter, right? We don't know anybody named Syntaxic. To agree with each other. To agree with each other in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, loyal yoke fella, help these women who have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel. Let me tell you what's happened. Udia have gotten sideways with each other. They're leaders in the church. Because he says, who, who was beside me in the birthing of this thing? These are small group leaders. And they're sideways with each other. They, they, they don't like each other. They're mad at each other. Well, she said, and she did this, and that person was supposed to be in my small group. She called him, took him right out from under me. She don't even know. She talked she talk bad about me on Facebook. I saw I defriended her right there. <laughs> and Paul writes a letter and says, guys, please, I beg of you, make this right. And then he appeals, look what he does, continuing on in verse 2, and, and verse 3. Yes, and I ask you, loyal yoke, hey guys, you other Christians in the body. He says, I ask you, help these women who have contended at my side. They're not bad people. They've just gotten sideways with each other. And here's the problem. When you get sideways with one another, you begin to lose your joy. Because you start criticizing, you start critiquing, you start being angry about Listen, if I come stay with you long enough, I'm going to find plenty of things to be mad at you about. You come live with me long enough, you're going to be like, that dude is crazy. Because that's what doing life is all about, is exposing our humanity to one another. And so that gets sideways with each other. That's why Matthew chapter 18 says, and go. If your brothers have been, go talk to them about it. Make it right. If we would just follow scripture, we would have joy in the house of God. But we're staring at each other, looking at each other, wondering why. I ain't going to sit by them. I ain't going to talk to them. I don't want to be on their team anymore. I'm not going to tell me what to do. And we get all this mess, and it's the plan of the enemy. Paul's dealing with it in Philippians, and look what he continues to say. And he says, listen, along with Clement and the rest of the fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. And then he gives them a command. Guess how he tells them to fix it? Verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. He's so ticked off about it, he says, and I'll say it again, rejoice. You've lost your joy. You're so busy trying to get ahead. You're so busy trying to build the ministry, you've lost your joy. You're so busy trying to be right that you've lost your joy. You're so busy replaying what she did that offended you, you've lost your joy. And that's supposed to be the joy. It's supposed to be our strength. 
and you've lost it, so I tell you what to do. Rejoice. Rejoy. Rejoy it. Restart the joy. Re- get, get some rejoy going. Rejoy it again, you bunch of suckers. I mean, he is ticked off. It's the only place we find a command that he, that he, in the New Testament especially, where he says it twice, back to back. Rejoice always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. You know what? We should not be looking like we grew up sucking dill pickles our whole life. Man, I meet more people who hate church because the people of God, the representation of Jesus Christ on this planet are just mean and rude. They don't have any joy. Listen, why would I want your Christianity when you're just as depressed as I am? At least I can get drunk and make it go away for a little bit. Why, why do I want what you got used to? You as mad and talk bad about the boss behind his back as anybody. Why do I want what you got? Because there's no, you've lost, it's been stolen from you. And we need to rejoice. And part of that, and getting your joy back, be enjoying Jesus, have those relationships made right. You got somebody you're offended at, make it right. Facebook him today. said, listen, that pastor was just running his mouth all day long. Just, I think he was talking to me the whole time. But I need to just say this to you. I'm sorry. I love you. I don't really like what you did. But I love you. And I'm not going to let this whole situation steal our friendship and steal my joy. God is good. And uh, even though I disagree with you, I love you. And I want us to be able to embrace each other and smile at each other and not be mad at each other. So what do we have to do to fix this? Listen, he's, in, he, he's not just talking. He writes a letter. It is Holy Scripture. How would you like your name? Hey, Susan and Jill. Y'all need to get this right. How would you like that for all eternity for you? And the Holy Scripture, how do you like your name right there? Them chicks are embarrassed. They're like, oh, my God. Oh my God I can't believe you wrote that. He's even asking everybody to help. He said, hey, Pastor Jonathan, Pastor Chris, y'all need to get in there and help them girls. Them girls got some issues. And let me tell you what I want them to do. Rejoice. Get their joy back. Because really that's what's been stolen. They're so busy doing for God that they've lost the heart of God. They're so busy trying to make the, administrate the workings of the things of God that they, they don't even... They've lost the joy of it all and the excitement of being in relationship with me. Isn't that good? Somebody say, yes, that's good. I'm sorry. I'm preaching my... Thank you. Somebody's paying attention. Three of them over there. And number three, choose joy over your circumstances. Choose joy over your circumstances. Look what James chapter 1 says. James is speaking to them in the midst of... Complete persecution. The church is being ravished. They're being thrown into the Colosseums. They're knocking on their doors. They're hanging them in the Roman gardens, tar and feathering, tarring them and, and lighting them on fire. And look what James says to them. Consider it pure joy. <laughs> Wouldn't that be awesome? You sit down for a counseling appointment. I mean, my wife left me and she took the truck. And I'm back smoking dope again. And I want to kill myself. Consider it pure joy. This is my counsel. This is scripture. <laughs> he says, consider it pure joy. Consider it joy. You know what that means? Hey, just go ahead and be joyous. That's what it Consider. Oh, praise God. They robbed us. Hallelujah. Your neighbors are like, man, they've lost it. I told you they were crazy. Started going to that church on the hill, messed them all up, man. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds. Listen, I had the beautiful experience of growing up in a church um, 
you know, I, I grew up, I, I grew up denominational church where hymns and that kind of thing, and, and, and my folks, we had this transition in our life, and we ended up in a church similar to this, uh, but much bigger, as I already communicated, and there were three people in that church that have marked me for, for my life, and none of them were pastors, none of them were on staff, if you will. One was Miss Twirly Bird. I don't know her real name, that's just what we call her, Miss Twirly Bird. Miss Twirly Bird was the lady, she was about 65, 70 years old, on the front row, a little dumpy, and on the front row, and you know, in those days we worshiped for what, 45 minutes to an hour, anybody remember the 80s? We worshiped, I mean, we'd sing it again, you know, God is good all the time, and, and, and we just go and go and go. Well, Miss Twirly Bird would do this the whole time, for 45 minutes, I couldn't worship for nothing, because I'm watching her. She's going to pass us. She's going to die. She's going to run into something. She had the equilibrium of heaven because she never, she would, when we would stop, she would just sit down. <laughs> she was amazing. You could walk right, she could, you could stop 20 minutes and you could walk up to her and she would stop and have a great conversation. It was a gift from God. But coming from my background, I'm like, that's the devil. That's crazy. See, that's why these churches are all going to fail because y'all just emotional and y'all just silly and y'all don't have any respect for the Lord. That's where I came from. I'm standing in judgment. Charlie Bird's crazy. Mom and dad made me go to this church. It's dumb. And then one day, after a couple months of being there, the pastor brought her up on stage. Miss Charlie Bird, come up here. We won't, well, come here. I want you to tell, talk. Come, come up here. I want you to testify. She said, yes, pastor. I mean, yes, pastor. <laughs> he says, tell everybody what God's done for you. She says, five years ago, she said, I was diagnosed with a tumor. And she, they went to operate on me. And as they cut me open in my chest to remove that tumor, she said they realized I was full of cancer. They were scared if they touched any of it that it would explode even further all through me. They didn't even bother to sew me up. They just left me in ICU for three or four days. Trying to figure out if I, if, trying to wait for me to die. They gave me up for dead. They, they brought my family, my husband in, and said, uh, and said she won't live for the next couple of days. We're sorry. We did not, we weren't able to diagnose this when we cut her open. She said they cut me open. And she, you know, she's, you know, those guys back in those days, they, hey, you want to see? And they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Pastor's like, no, you don't have to show. Cut me all the way down to my belly button. And she said, and I laid there between heaven and earth. And she said, and Jesus walked into my room. He put his hand on my chest. She said, and all of a sudden, fire came down through my body. And we're all sitting, I'm looking at it. And she said, fire came down through my body. All of a sudden, I set up. There was, there was, there was no uh, stitches, but God had sealed it up. There was a scar, but, but they hadn't stitched me up. The doctors came running in because the machines were going all crazy. They came running in and said, what happened? She said, Jesus was just here. Did y'all see him? And they said, no. Well, let me tell you about him. She said, I preached, got them all saved. And she said, and she said, and so, I'll, so when I got back, back to my house, the glory of God rested on me so much, I said, God, I'll, I'll spin for you, I'll shout for you, I'll sing for you, because you, once I was lost, but now I'm found, once I was dead, but now I'm alive. And she said, and so I can't help it, Pastor. I'm sorry, I know it's embarrassing to you, Pastor, that I sit there and twirl, but it's what I do for Jesus. She just started twirling. I'm sitting there. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm going to twirl too. I'm going to twirl. I'm sorry. I'm so critical. She had joy. Man, listen, you catch her in the parking lot, she just laugh and tell you a story about the goodness of God. Joy! Unspeakable and full of glory. And then there was Sweetie Pie Parker. Sweetie Pie Parker, he was an engineer, worked at the chemical plant, had all the roughnecks that worked for him. Well-educated gentleman in our church, one of our, part of our finance team, older man in the faith. And he went in one day for a lump in his, in his throat, excuse me, uh, in his, one of his noids or whatever, cancer as well. 
And they did the same thing. They said, listen, we're going to give you just maybe two years to live. We can't, it's inoperable. I, we don't know what to tell you. And Sweetie Pie came to church that day, that next Sunday, testified God is good. And I, whose report, remember we used to sing that? Whose report? Will you believe? We will believe the report of the Lord. And we all, yeah! Well, let me tell you something. He didn't just talk about it. So since he had, he had to quit his job, he had to retire early. And so Sweetie Pie would walk the parking lots. We had, you know, 107 acres and half of it was parking lots. And he would walk in and pray and just sing and shout. And, 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 you know, I would be driving through the parking lot. He'd wave me down. Adam, come here. Let me tell you something, son. Don't give on the power of God. God's good. Let me tell you something. If I don't see you in this life, I'll see you in the next. But let me tell you something, son. Rejoice in the Lord always. I tell you, rejoice. And he would get me. He, before you know it, I'm like, okay, I'll do it. I ain't never going to quit. He said, listen, son, you need to keep smiling. You need Listen, you in ministry, because I just, I just become a pastor on staff when I was just 19 years old. He said, son, listen to me. Don't let nobody steal your joy. Don't let the doctor steal your joy. Don't let the finances steal your joy. He said, don't let nobody steal your joy. So I said, no, going to steal my joy. That man lived for like 10, 15 years. He was the happiest, most exciting person to ever be around. And we had one more, and I don't remember this gentleman's name, but he was an usher. And he wore this little red jacket that he had to wear as ushers. And he had something similar happen to him. They had to cut out his larynx so he, so he couldn't talk. And, um, and he was always smiling, and he'd wave at you and hug you like that, and, and you couldn't really talk. And he had one of these little machines. Remember that little machine? He talked to you like that. And, man, he'd creep you out. But, you know, he was so full of joy that you could, you'd stand there, and you're like, man, that's creepy. But, man, I love you, dude. And he... All the kids would come running up to him, and he'd give them candy. Everyone loved this man. You know, ushers don't get loved very much because they got to correct everybody. But he's the guy full of joy and life. And I want you to understand something, and that is just don't let the circumstance dictate whether you have joy or not. Joy is the decision. You can make a decision today. I'm going to live in joy. And I'm not going to let what happened last year or 10 years ago dictate how I feel and what I sense. Because the joy of the Lord is my strength. Man, if you're not getting something, I'm getting something. Hallelujah. Number four, last and final little piece that I teach you, and that is fight to stay full of joy. Do you know that joy is one of the fruits of the Spirit? Anybody know what that is? The fruits of the Spirit, the Bible talks about when the Holy Spirit comes and lives and abides in us, that He brings gifts and He brings fruits. Proof that the Holy Spirit's in our life is that we have love, joy, come on, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, stuff. Yeah, there, there you go. And so it's proof that the Holy Spirit's at work in our life. Now, how many of you are a Christian? If you're a Christian, say yes. Okay, so what that means is the Holy Spirit came and lived and abided in you. Now, what you'll do with a message like this, if you're not careful, you'll get your doctrine off, especially if you came from a background of church life that was always telling you had to do more to get God's pleasure. And that's not what we teach you here because that's not accurate in Scripture. And so you don't need to go get joy. Say, I just don't have joy. I need to get some joy. No, you don't. Joy, if you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit's living and abiding in you. Joy is already in you. It's part of the fruits of the Spirit. The problem is, is that you and I have had so much stuff in our life that joy is up under those rocks. Do you know gold and diamonds? you know how they get them? They're not falling off of trees. Look, a giant diamond. Praise the Lord. I cut my grass, and it was leaves of gold. No, where do you find precious metals? Down in the rocks, down in the ground. Let me tell you something, inside of you is joy. But you know what? When your wife died, something heavy came on you. And, and it's legitimate. And, and I'm, I'm sorry that some people go, brother, just get over it. Brother, what's wrong with you? Why are you living in depression? Because I'm hurting. Because I've got some giant things that have happened. 
And I know there's joy down in there, but I just can't get to it. Listen to me. The goal is not to try to get joy. The, jo- the goal is to start removing all the big pieces that keep joy from being able to shine forth in your life and keep the fruits of the Spirit. That's why I pray in the Spirit on a daily basis, because I'm trying to break loose some of those big rocks in my life, things that have been done to me, things that are inappropriate, things about God I don't understand that seem like that's not right, God. How can you do this? Those pieces have to start being removed so we can pull up the goal. So we can get down to that joy, peace, patience. And so in other words, it's not going to happen because you heard a good message. It's going to happen because you and I start pull, push, pulling out the big rocks. Because we start putting the, the sledgehammer to it and just cacao. And we go and we repent to that friend that we've had bitterness at. And we start pulling those big pieces out. And we go ahead and say, you know what, I'm going to get a little discipline in my life. And I'm going to go ahead and just start praying every day. And as I get that discipline, whoo, look at that joy started happening three days into it. Wow. I'm just not responding the way I used to. I'm actually responding like Jesus would. Wow. You know, I'm going to go ahead. I don't really like small groups because the last one I was in was a gossip session. But this new church I'm going to talks about they doing life. I'll try it. And you start removing all that fear. That fear of what happened to you at the last situation. And you get that out. And before you know it, you're a couple months into it. And this, your wife is like, man, I like you again. You're kind of nice to hang out with. Because joy has started bubbling up out from under the big boulders of the things of this world and this life situation. Listen to me. You don't have to go get joy. Joy's in you if you're full of the Spirit of the Lord. What you got to do is get it back as it's been stolen from you. You got to say, you know what, Satan, you're not going to, these things are not going to, are not going to, these things that have happened in my life are not going to keep me down. You're not going to steal my joy. You're not going to cover over the good things that God's done in me by the only thing that I can see are the big rocks that the enemy's done. Those things have to be removed. They've got to be crushed. They've got to be worked towards. So when we're talking about working, we're not talking about working for God's pleasure. We're talking about crucifying the flesh on a daily basis. That's, whew, that's the peace. And then all of a sudden, joy starts coming forth. All of a sudden, love starts coming forth. You're like, man, I don't know why I didn't punch him in the face. I would have punched him in the past. Somebody told me the other day, you didn't. I was standing there when that person just did that. You didn't even respond back. I was like, I guess I didn't. Come on, somebody. I done got that big rock removed. A little bit joyous. A little bit of love is peeking its head down through there. Come on, Jesus. Friends, listen to me. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Some of you are so frustrated. You've let all of these situations steal your joy. You're so worried about the economy and you worried about your house note and you trying to work two or three jobs so you can pay the car note. Why'd you go buy that car? You just lost your joy over the whole thing so you can look good driving down the street. Get your joy back. I'm not saying go get rid of the car. I'm just saying get your joy back. I want to be around you. I don't want you to suck all my joy out. I, got, I barely got enough for me. And so the Lord will be the strength of your heart. I want you to stand with me all across the room.